Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rock Squad podcast, your destination for rock music news, reviews, and discussion. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Nick Chino, joined by my co-host, it's Dave Marini. What's going on, Dave? Hey, buddy, how's it going? Hello, everyone. Before we get started, little housekeeping, make sure you go down, you like the video, you subscribe to our channel, you hit the bell so we get you get notifications every time we put out a new video. Also, please go and follow us on our Instagram, um, at the Rock Squad Pod on Twitter. Um, you know, go say, come say hi, write a little message down, a little review. If you don't like what we had to say, if you love what we had to say, we want to hear from you. my friend Nick. How are you? I'm good, man. Hopefully, hopefully it's like a you know a five star review. Hopefully, they're letting us know everything they love about the podcast. This is this is episode five. Five. It's hard to hard to believe that we've gotten this <laughs> gotten this far. Um, but you know, we've I, I think we've gotten a couple of listeners and a couple of viewers so far. So thank you very much to anybody who has who has hopped on the Rock Squad. Who anybody who has joined the squad uh, in the last little while, we very much appreciate it. For sure, for sure. Yeah, we're excited to keep uh, coming and talking about rock. And we've got lots of things uh, cooking for other ideas for the channel, too. And, yeah. and your uh, your reviews are always doing well, too. So it's fun that we're finally starting to build a community. Yes, we are. And yeah, I did a rock album review, two of them this past weekend, one for the new album from Greta Van Fleet called The Battle at Gardens Gate and uh, one for the new uh, album from The Offspring called Let the Bad Times Roll. So those are both up on the channel right now. And uh, the Greta Van Fleet uh, video has gotten quite a bit of traction. I gave it a positive review, despite I know we've run into some uh, some complaints already with the podcast and, you know, our general view of, of Greta Van Fleet. But thankfully, uh, most people have been kind and I gave it a four out of five because despite oh. the comparisons that I'm giving it to Led Zeppelin, which I didn't go too deep into, uh, but despite those comparisons, I did really en- enjoy it. I think, you know, we can both appreciate from a songwriting sp- standpoint or from a recording standpoint, um, the amount of effort that goes into making yeah. a record like this. It's an hour long, so it's much longer than a lot of the records that I've been listening to lately. Um, so you know what? I'm going to give them some kudos. They did a good job on this new one. Sweet. So uh, yeah, we were totally expecting Greta Van fail, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, I'm glad that they uh, you know they hung in there. I, I have heard some some stuff off the record, and like they weren't. It wasn't so uh, blatantly uh, '70s. 70s uh, cover band esque. So yeah, I can see how there's probably going to be some uh, some love about that record out in the media too. So and I know their fans are very passionate. So I'm sure we'll hear about how great it is. Yeah, for sure. Most of the most of the people have agreed with me that it's a good record. So and the Offspring cool. one is good too. Uh, is it, it, good? Sounds, it sounds like the Offspring. You know, that's cool. pretty much what you can expect from the new one. Yeah, I, I'm a, I, I'm a fan of Goofy Offspring. Like I think that uh, you know we. Liking the offspring has been like a roller coaster, you know, like from smash to where we are now. It's uh, it's all over the place. But uh, if you can get behind the silliness of the offspring a little bit, I think that they're more enjoyable. I don't know. I, I kind of put yeah. them in the same realm as like an Andrew WK mm-hmm. and like things like that, where it's like it's OK to be a little bit silly and have a good time. And, you know, and they do. So that's good. Yeah, for sure. And there's a there's a, a track on the new record which is uh, just a new version of a previously released Offspring song. Do you know the song Gone Away for Mixing yeah, yeah. on the Ombre? Huge Offspring song. There's yeah. a kind of a piano version that's on this new, uh, this new record. Uh, and Dexter Holland, he belts it out. Sounds really good. Yeah. Not, to, not to say he's never sounded good before, but it's very different for them. And I think it, uh, 
I think it works. So that's definitely worth check worth uh, checking out. Was that song? Was that on the soundtrack for like the faculty? Could have been. Maybe I think it was. Yeah, it gone away. Like it had like it was. There was like a big Josh Hartnett nineties <laughs> movie yeah. where that was like the main. Yeah. You know. Maybe they had some yeah. sort of deal going on at the time that every Josh Hartnett movie had to have an offspring song in it. That could have been every movie from '97 forward had had something from the offspring. Any any sort of uh, angsty teenage. Yeah, the um, the kids aren't all right. That song would probably fit in a lot of those uh, a lot of those '90s teen movies too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. There's it could be. They, they have a few that have uh, made it into the. Uh, into the credits for sure yeah for sure uh, yeah so definitely check out those rock album reviews those are up on the on the channel right now i uh, also got to mention that we got a new logo for the podcast uh courtesy of uh, designer tim Hoare. uh we appreciate him uh designing this awesome logo for us um so we've kind of rebranded the whole channel we've rebranded the podcast the rock squad is here so we very much appreciate uh, tim designing that logo for us and we'll, yeah shout, shout out to tim yeah, for doing that thank we'll you we'll so toss much. a link uh, to his uh, his website in the show notes uh in the in the youtube page so you guys can uh, check him out and a little more house cleaning to get to or housekeeping to get to on tonight's show uh we created a tracks of the week spotify playlist if you go to spotify look up rock squad you'll see the main feed for the audio version of the podcast but then you'll also see the tracks of the week playlist that we've been putting our uh, weekly picks into so everything i think most of the picks that we've had from the last uh, previous four episodes are in the playlist now uh, and it's a good way for people to check out the music that we're recommending amazing yeah, for sure. So uh, before we get to uh, this week's main topics, we have a headliner coming up as well as opening act topics to uh, to kick things off. We're going to get to a couple of things off the top. Um, a couple of big names in rock and big names in music in general uh, passed away over the last couple of days. The first one being Bob Lanois, uh, half of the Lanois brothers, his brother being Daniel Lanois, both of them big music producers who came from our, our hometown here in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Bob Lanois was one of the uh, the co-founders of Grant Avenue Studio, which is a huge uh, studio, a lot of history here uh, in Hamilton. He just passed away at the age of 73. And um, Dave, you and I have had a chance to cross paths with Bob Lanois over the years in our uh, various endeavors. He uh, runs a venue here in Hamilton called The Mule Spinner with a friend of ours, uh, Glenn Marshall. Um, do you have any kind of memories of Bob Lanois uh, in your years of, of making music? So, uh, yeah, there's a bunch, man. Like we, we were really lucky to get pulled into a circle of really high profile people um, that, uh, that, you know, we, we, we used for um, the knowledge that they passed down to us for like four or five years of our life. We were regularly in sessions or working on, new material with a bunch of really really talented people from our scene and like you said bob the the older brother of dan uh lanois of course of you producing you two and bob dylan and everybody in between um he was one of those people that we uh we became very friendly with um the guitar player in our band john daly uh played played in a band with him at one point yeah. our uh, uh a friend of ours and former guitar player michael familia played in the band also, Bill Majoris played like we 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 have very strong roots to a lot of uh, a lot of those people, and uh, they've always been very lovely and helpful for us uh, and supportive. So it is really sad that Bob uh, 
Bob passed away and yeah. uh, he was he was the, the best thing I can share about about knowing Bob is that he was uh he was like a, a mad scientist mm-hmm. and it, it really was like that like when it was he like a doc sessions, brown vibe yeah it, yeah big doc brown vibe um you know let's turn it to 11 let's you know let's challenge yeah. each, let's challenge the system let's challenge each other kind of thing and and it was amazing it was uh, I've seen some crazy things I have some crazy stories that I can't share here <laughs> but uh in in the end it was it was great to see somebody like that working that the one thing I can always like whenever I think about working with him or him being around uh we were working on something one time and he was listening to mixes I don't I don't know if you if you were there or I don't I, it was in early band days but yeah anyways we were listening to a mix and uh, we all were pretty happy with it. And I was like, we all stopped. And he said, it sounds great. And I said, oh, are you sure? Or like, what about the, and he stopped. He went, ah, Uncle Bob says it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Yeah, so stamp of approval. Fine, you know? Yeah. And like, definitely. you know, he has such, he has such a legacy with uh, Brian Eno and yeah. uh, Dan and everything they've done. And, you know, and there's a lot of stories between those two brothers too that, haven't been written in books that will blow people's minds when they uh, when they finally come out. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a loss for our city and our scene. And uh, he was a great, really great guy, really nice guy, um, and he'll be missed. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's um, I don't know. I don't I don't know if it's well known everywhere that the city that we come from here in Hamilton is such a rich musical city. It's obviously been referred to as as the music city for a long time, but it's the type of city that. Um, has very strong roots and then those roots reach outward and Bob Lanois and his brother Dan and they were the type to to reach outward and affect other places and other scenes um, as a result of, of coming from Hamilton. We're lucky to be from such a such a musical city. Um, so rest in peace, uh, Mr. Bob Lanois, he's going to be missed. Um, another uh, tragic death in the world of rock music this week was Jim Steinman, who was better known as the lyricist for for Meatloaf. Um, and the reason I wanted one of the reasons I wanted to mention this, other other than obviously his his storied career of being an amazing lyricist uh, and uh, an artist, is that uh, in grade thirteen, in uh, grade thirteen doesn't exist anymore in Ontario. But when I was in grade thirteen in, in high school, I had a um, a uh, grade thirteen writer's craft with uh, Mr. Wells and one of the main, uh, I don't know if you want to call it units or projects that we did in this class was analyzing the music and lyrics of Meatloaf and Jim Steinman. I don't know if this was a result of Mr. Wells being a massive Meatloaf fan. He must have been. Of course it was. (laughs) Otherwise, why? I don't know why we would do that. But we're in class, you know, analyzing the lyrics to Bad Out of Hell. And, uh, you know, uh, I I wouldn't do that for, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Or Paradise by the Dashboard Light or Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. Like we were studying them like they were Shakespeare. So when I heard that Jim Steinman passed away, even though I haven't listened to a ton of Meatloaf, low for my life um it was very very um it was very affecting to me because uh i'm very familiar with the man's lyrics yeah he's amazing man uh this is a little known fact that uh i am a huge meatloaf fan really? i don't think we've ever yeah yeah i don't think we've known we've each other for how many years i don't ever remember hearing you were a meatloaf fan i'm a huge meatloaf fan like um I'm a huge batter to hell one and two fan. Yeah, classic. Uh, you know, it's it's actually funny because in in my my grandparents' house, when my mom and my uncles and aunts were growing up, yeah. um, my grandmother would do aerobics to batter to hell one. 
<laughs> so really? my family, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my family, they would know, like, if they heard "Bad Out of Hell" one, like the record spinning, they'd be like, "Mom's working out." Like, let's get out of here, you know? Yeah. So it's like I don't know, but growing up, uh, my family was a big. They were really into meatloaf, and uh, mm. you know, like, yeah, you know, I do anything for love and all those hits and yeah. all that stuff. I, I know it's it's kind of weird, but you know, looking back now at uh, Jim's work and stuff, like there are there's some crazy things like what like a song that i love that's just like if you look at it now is like what's going on is uh life is a lemon and i want my money back yeah that's a good one if you listen to that song man like that like there's big riffs and big guitars and Mm. you know it's 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 amazing it's an amazing song and uh one of many the guy just pumped out hits and Mm. had meatloaf who you know is is a taste singer as well as a dish for dinner but right. <laughs> uh you know but uh it, he's amazing he was an amazing writer and yeah. uh i don't think people some people don't really know a lot of, about how songs are written and co-writing and stuff right. and um you know much like elton john's situation um this Brilliant. is like you know somebody was writing some great songs and found a voice for them which uh, you know <laughs> i'd love to say doesn't doesn't happen very often yeah. But, uh, but it, it does happen very often. And, but he was one of the best. And for that genre and that time in the 70s and the 80s, um, you know, for rock and, and, and theater rock, you know, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Yeah. And they should make a Rocket Man style movie about Meatloaf yes. and Jim Steinman. You call it Loaf. That's all you call Loaf. it. Just Loaf. Oh. Right. I don't know who you get to play meatloaf. Maybe you get Jonah Hill or something to play meatloaf or, they could or something probably, like If that. they did like bearded meatloaf, I, I <laughs> guess like, I was, I was going to say maybe like a Jack Black or something. Jack Black. You know what? That is even better. I think that Jack Black would make a great meatloaf. And I don't, yeah, but you know what? Then you can just get Kyle Gass to play, <laughs> to play Jim Steinman and it becomes a Tenacious <laughs> D movie because sure. actually it's funny. I think that Tenacious D, probably has a lot in common with meatloaf in, the, yeah. in terms of the theatrics and the dramatic sound of their music well probably in the writing too i'm, I'm sure that kyle's coming up with riffs and jack's right <laughs> yeah the the lyrics so like it's probably very similar so yeah, yeah. i don't know i just like goofy guys doing funny movies but yeah like, for sure um <laughs> yeah one, one last thing about jim steinman is when you think about lyricists like we were saying with bernie for elton and uh, you know, I can't think of, there's other examples that I can't think of, uh, off the top of my head, but, um, he's a very, he's a real lyricist. Not every, every band has somebody who writes lyrics to varying degrees of success, but he was very much a lyricist in the way yeah. that he used words in, it made poetry that was converted into music. I don't know what the process became actually it reminds me a little bit of, um, of manic street preachers, because in that band, I think James Dean Bradfield, who's the lead singer writes most of the music, but their bass player, Nikki wire and their former member, Richie Edwards were the, were the guys who wrote the lyrics. And I think for you and I, when we write, we tend to write lyrics to the music. Sometimes it might be the other way around, but, um, maybe with meatloaf and with Jim, it was, here's a set of lyrics let's write a melody to that so it might be a different process i know the pro the process is something we we love to talk about too yeah. you know, like what what comes first the chicken or the egg um yeah man it's uh yeah it's it, he's he's a great writer and he he'll you know obviously his his star has shot and burnt out by now but i'm sure he's he lived a fantastic life over the last couple of years 
And, uh, you know, I know Meatloaf's had his struggles. I saw the uh, yeah. A&E made-for-TV movie about his life. So yeah. who knows what, the, what, what he's... Actually, I, uh, I met Meatloaf one time. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm learning so many new things about you on this episode of the Rock School. Um, I, so I, I was at... Um, when I was growing up, for everyone watching, my mom, um, she, she worked in events and stuff. So I always had access to, like, things. And uh, one of the things that I had access to one time was a Meatloaf concert and they were doing sound check and it was very theatrical. Obviously it was a big stage with like a giant, like 40 foot white piano, like a bit like grand piano. It was huge. Yeah, like, yeah. like just like blown up and through the roof. Uh, anyway, so I went for sound check and they were doing sound check and I uh, came up to the sound guy in the middle of the, the room and uh there was a guy with his feet up drinking a bottle of wine and i sat i stood there for a second and like watched the band and i was like oh i don't really see meatloaf <laughs> and i i look and it was meatloaf sitting beside me with his feet up drinking the bottle of wine <laughs> and i startled him and he looked at me and he goes oh jesus and i was like oh hey meatloaf and he goes i, I thought you were the fire inspector i would have gotten in trouble for having an open bottle of booze yeah and so i was like no no i'm good and then he was like do you want to have some wine? And I was like, well, I'm 15. So this is getting more and more, more and more illegal. So I'm going to pass. But yeah. So yeah, he was yeah. a really nice guy, but uh, yeah, one of those. Close Excuse me, Mr. You know. Loaf. Yeah. Excuse me, sir. Do you mind playing life as a lemon for your sound check? I'm too young to drink wine, mister. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that did, yeah, it, was, it turned into a funny story about meatloaf. I learned a lot about you tonight, Dave, and that you come from a meatloaf loving family. The Marinis love meatloaf, uh, probably the, the artist and the food. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you met meatloaf. So I learned a lot from, from these, uh, these off the top uh, topics. So there you go. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our opening act topics of this week. The first being the Foo Fighters releasing their Chasing Birds video. Dave, we've already done in the last two episodes, I think, a lot of a lot of discussion about Dave Grohl. It's not our fault that the guy is just so damn busy. Uh, we talked about his new book, The Storyteller, which is going to feature a lot of his different uh, tales of being a rock star for uh, for the last many years. And then he's doing the What Drives Us documentary, which is all about bands on the road. Um, then I, he announced that he's doing the documentary series with his mother from, from Cradle to the Stage, which is based off the book that they did together. And now Foo Fighters have released this Chasing Birds video, which was released on 420. Very appropriate. Um, it's a trippy uh, band in the desert music video, tripping, tripping balls, pretty much. Um, there's actually a couple of cool references uh, in this video to, uh, to some past Foo Fighters videos, including Monkey Wrench and Everlong. Uh, there's a part of the video where Dave Grohl looks into a cactus and he sees the Foo Fighters playing in a room very reminiscent of Monkey Wrench. And then we see him, he has a giant hand uh, reminiscent yeah. of the, uh, the, the Everlong video. So Dave Grohl just continues to keep doing all these things. This is in addition to the new Foo Fighters album, which is that, which is what Chasing Birds is from, from Medicine at, uh, at Midnight. What did you think of this video? I, I dug it. I thought it was awesome. I think it's a cool song. I love the new record and stuff. So like I'm all over it. Uh, as for how much content Dave Grohl can make, uh, you know, I, I have a feeling that because of the lockdown, a lot of projects that were half done are finally seeing the light of day. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, you can't really, but you can't really blame anybody. 
But uh, I, I definitely feel that once things get back and everybody gets back on the road, that uh, they'll probably, I, I feel like a, maybe a Foo Fighter hiatus is going to come. Right. I could, I could feel them like, you know, they put out a solid new record. They, you know, there's a couple documentaries. Like I could, I would not be surprised if after the book and after this and after all, like all these little projects that would have been spread out over seven, eight, nine years, I could definitely see some, you know, some time get, you know, maybe a couple, maybe a five-year gap or something. Five before. years. You really think you could sit maybe. still for that long? Well, I don't, maybe, maybe not with like projects, but with like music, yeah. like, you know, like maybe he'll play drums in the next Queens record or like. Well, they, they might do another uh, Them Crooked Vultures record too. That could be. Uh, that could exactly. Be I feel like they're trying to get as much of the Foo Fighters stuff kind of locked up and you know for now i feel like i feel like there's a big push like let's get to this level before we go back to the grind you know yeah well they could still have another couple of years of touring ahead of them if the touring industry ever gets sure. back to something resembling normal they could still have another two or three years on the road to make up for the fact that they sure. couldn't get on the road over the last year or so uh, yeah so if you think of it, you think it, of it right? that, yeah if you think of it that way where they're you know they're on say so say they do two years like yeah. it's touring for the next two years and then they take a break and then there's a them crooked vultures that's easy five years that's an yeah. easy you know with a tour cycle for them too you know who knows but it's fun all around i'm sure we'll get some new rock and roll whether it's with him in queens or him in them crooked vultures or whatever other project he decides he's gonna be a part of like he joins the stones i don't know how's charlie feeling you know like let's <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah well the song with mick jagger we forgot to mention yeah. that too right so uh he's been uh, he's been keeping busy um this song is one of my favorite from from favorites from the new record for medicine sure. at midnight it's different than the rest of the album which has a, a party rock kind of vibe to it um and chasing birds is much more chill reminds me of songs like walking after you or something sure like sure um, maybe on the uh, acoustic side of in your honor um so I, I found that kind of cool. And the thing about it is that it, it doesn't feel like a traditional single, which is different for, for them because uh, with this one and Shame Shame, it feels like they are releasing the different sides to Medicine at Midnight, which aren't necessarily representative of the album as a whole, but show the different sides to the band. And maybe that's why they're choosing them as songs to highlight from the record because they aren't just standard of Foo Fighters. They go a little bit, a little bit sure. left to center. Yeah, I love that. I like. I think, um, yeah, like, like, yeah. The the description of it being like something off of uh, Color in the Shape or you know, Walking After You and stuff is is like bang on. It's just a little bit different, but not you know. Like, I feel like bands that are at this level fall into little grooves, even ruts, you know, where they they're producing the same kind of thing. And we've talked about it that like uh, like I feel that way about Green Day sometimes, even though I love I love the band. I just, you know, sometimes I'm just like, okay, let's get past it. And I feel that when like bands like the Foo Fighters after, you know, seven or eight studio records or whatever they're at now, um, you know, when you're looking to play something fresh and you want to play songs that you like to play. Like we can attest to that being, you know, you write a new song and you're like, this is a great song. I want to play it for people. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when you put out a, a full package, those songs get kind of pushed to the side because when you're playing shows, you're playing older songs, you're playing the hits, trying to make people happy. Maybe the song number eight off the new record doesn't get played, you know? Right. So I think it's great that they're making an effort to 
you know, we like this song, let's push this song. We like that song, let's push that song. Because the world of music right now is so different than it was 20 years ago, five years ago, that you can do that now. And I think that people appreciate it, especially with streaming and all that stuff like let's hear what you really want to be putting out not what a yeah an executive's pushing you to put out because they think you're going to sell more units you know right well when you're at a level that like the foo fighters are at you can release a song like like chasing birds which is a great song it might not be a huge radio single it's the same for shame shame but for them they're like rock radio is going to play this song anyways it's already going to be hitting number one on the charts, on the billboard charts and on the radio charts. So might as well put out something that's a little bit different and shows a little bit yeah. of a different side of the band. The rest of the record, if you listen to it, is you know a little bit more um, dance oriented, a little bit funkier, a little bit groovier, but it's still rock and Foo yeah. Fighters and they've, they've shown a lot of different sides. If there's one thing that Dave Grohl is currently doing or has coming up that you're most excited about, what would it be? Hmm. Would it be I the, the, the book uh, or the, the documentary? Yeah. The band documentary for sure, man. Yeah, like I, lo- I love shit like that. You love shit like that too. Like I love hearing stories and and uh, you know just hearing yeah. other people talk about their experiences and yeah, living in a van. Like I think that's I think that's uh, a big part of being a musician is playing shows and you know that's home base most nights and um, yeah, so it's great. I I can't wait to hear what Bono and the Edge have to say about <laughs> you know sleeping quarters back in Ireland back yeah. in the day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, not a band that I would consider to be to be one of those bands that slept in the squalor, but probably, maybe at some point early in their career. All right, let's get to one more opening act topic about Weezer, who maybe next to Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters is the the next busiest band uh, in uh, in rock music. So Weezer have created their own Roomba, but they've added a W on there. Roomba that five lucky fans online can uh, can, can get a chance to win. Uh, The Roomba talks in the voice of Rivers Cuomo and will clean your your whole apartment and your house better than the real thing. Rivers says he's not very good at cleaning at all, but um, Weezer's been really busy as well. They just did the OK Human um, live stream this past weekend. They got the new record called Van Weezer coming out on May the 7th. They released a new song today called I Want Some of That. Uh, are you going to be entering the contest to win the Roomba? That's the first question. Um, because you got kids, I'm sure you could use it to clean up all the all the food everywhere and everything the, the mess that the kids make. And then you can you know put the new record on while you're listening to it. See, I don't think I need Pat Wilson cleaning my house. I'm just <laughs> like I love Weezer, but uh, I feel and. You know, it's obviously a little bit of a stunt, but like, yeah. you know, it's a uh, it's a bizarre stunt. It's uh, <laughs> but whatever, whatever, man. If they want to sell some Roombas and make some money, or do it to get some attention, we're talking about it. So it, it wasn't a fail. Yeah, um, I, yeah, man. I'm I'm stoked. I just watched that um, the live with the Philharmonic. Me too. Uh, and it was great. I thought it was awesome. And I think that that group of songs it did everything that I thought they were going to do. With that group of songs and a few goodies and and uh yeah it made it, w- it made perfect sense for where that what they that record is and to do it that way like it's very beach boysy we had talked about that in the past on the show and uh to you know just have all those strings and uh, all those amazing uh youth music musicians available and to do that like it's amazing it's a weezer thing to do they should start living like they're one of the best bands in the world because they have been for the last 30 years you know 
Yeah, for sure. Well, the thing, the thing that I love about Weezer is that from album to album, and they continue to change genres. They have that standard Weezer sound that you would yeah. expect from, from the blue album and Pinkerton. When you listen to everything will be all right in the end or the white album, that is um, standard blue album esque uh, Weezer. But then you have albums like Pacific Daydream, OK Human, a little bit of the Black album, which are a little bit poppier, a little bit dreamier. And then now Van Weezer's coming out on May the 7th. And this is another big guitar-driven album. Uh, they named it Van Weezer in, uh, yeah. in tribute to Van Halen. When you listen to The End of the Game, which was the first single that they released from this record, it's got that huge guitar on it. One of my yeah. favorite Weezer songs that they put out um, in the last little while. So I'm excited for for this new record. And then they're saying they have maybe, maybe another two or three records coming after this. Um, wow. And the thing about Weezer for me is that I love all their albums, but when they release new music, it always takes me just a little bit longer to connect with it. With OK yeah. Human, uh, I did a review on the channel where I was like, yeah, it is okay. But now I've really, really clued into it. I've really kind of keyed into what I like about that record. And with this new song, I want some of that um on, upon first listen i didn't love it but i know that i'm going to love it once the record comes out and i've heard the whole thing i know that it's going to be one of those songs that i really enjoy so i i'm just it's just great to have so many great weezer songs and so many different formats and so many different genres available to us and uh the, the more music they want to put out the better i i just love how prolific they are yeah, man, I think the the new uh, Van Weezer record, I think like from what I've heard with the I want some of that single is uh, they're 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 going to they're going to put out a great pop record is what it yeah. sounds like it's going to be. And uh, they're finally OK with experimenting with their metal background, you know, yeah. like people <laughs> That's don't, where people Rivers don't came that. from. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole band, like they're all a bunch of metal guys and they purposely uh, did something different. You know, and that's something that not a lot of people know. And like these guys are shredders. Like even Scott, like Scott's played in, in hard rock and metal bands his whole life too. So like I feel that this is like a, a you know, it, it's finally happening. I feel like this band that's been putting out fun nerd rock for you know 30 years is finally gonna get to put their hair down literally and like you know put out something that has some finger tapping and a solo and stuff like that. So I'm excited, man. They're one of those bands that I feel, you know, some people are kind of hit and miss with them. Like you, you want them to be something that they're not. And what they've always been is Weezer. Like it's not, they, they don't really pretend to be anything else. Like people are like, oh, I like the Blue Album. I like Pinkerton. And I'm like, to me, they've never stopped writing yeah. those kind of nerdy influenced um, anti-cool anti songs. Like, I feel like that's their game and they've, they've never, I feel like maybe the majority of people who don't like them anymore kind of just grew out of, it, you know, right. and that's fine. Like it's art, you know, like you're not expected to like the same thing for your entire life. Mm -hmm. Whereas for me and you who do enjoy almost everything they put out, you know, obviously some records more than others, but for the most part, we're a fan of their writing and their writing style and the fact that they blend pop and rock and, and all these new elements and like the new one like uh okay human they do the beach boysy thing and the new like it and the new one uh paying tribute to van halen and their their metal background i think it's yeah. great and uh as a fan i'm down to 
check it out and i love pop songs i love rivers writing with other guys too yeah very cool so like, yeah it's great to like you know you put on a playlist like a new rock playlist and a song pops up and you're like oh that sounds like a, a rivers verse yeah and then you find out that it was you know and it's like yeah. oh yeah so it, it's you know for whatever reason i don't get tired of that style of uh pop rock and uh rock and roll so mm -hmm. yeah i'm looking forward to it man i think it'll be a cool cool new record yeah, I think with Weezer, when you're a band like that, and it depends on the band, but when you're a band like that, that hits right off the bat with a, you know, and Pinkerton wasn't universally loved when it first came out, but the Blue Album was. Pinkerton became that cult classic uh, after after a while. But when you hit that earlier in your career, right off the bat with your first couple of records, immediately um, fans latch onto those records. And that's kind of the kind of the, the the standard by which everything else is measured. And I think that's unfair especially when, it, yeah, they're only the first two records. Weezer's now 14, 15 records deep into their discography. Yeah. Um, so to, to judge everything based on what they did that earlier in their career, I think is a little bit unfair. A band like the Chili Peppers, their first couple albums are okay, but to me, they hit their stride you know, around the blood sugar, sex magic, you know, maybe mother's milk phase, somebody, a band like Jimmy Eat World kind of hit their stride around clarity and bleed American. They weren't those first albums. They kind of were able to evolve a little bit before yeah. they reached that, uh, that sound that everybody then says every album's got to sound like that, which is a, uh, which is a ridiculous notion, but uh, a lot of fans still kind of cling to it. So. Yeah, man, I agree. Like even with the chili peppers, like I, for me, uh, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, and then the weight into scar tissue. Yeah. Is like the, you know, like one hot minute was like, okay. Yeah, it was okay. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, this is kind of, this. there's a couple of gems on here, but compared to the, the last one, and then for scar tissue, when John Frusciante came back, I feel like yeah. all bets were off. And it was like, okay, we're, this is, this is what the Chili Peppers is. Right. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like that, that was, win, that yeah. was the, here it is. This is, for the next 20 years, this is what we do, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I've been a fan of that. So I have, yeah. I have no complaint. And Weezer kind of, they they had a little bit of that period in the mid 2000s when Beverly Hills came out. Sure. Which a lot of people said they were turned off by that song because it is a very poppy, very radio sure. friendly song. Not my favorite Weezer song. And when people tell me that that's the song that turned them off from the band, I try to say, just, just give them another shot. Listen yeah. to a lot of the things that came after it. Sure. came after the make-believe record and came after um after beverly hills because there's a lot of good stuff to listen to um and that can, but that happens with bands you hear a song that turns you off and then you're not really into it for for a couple of records and then maybe you come back around again that's just how it goes yeah i i always feel it's like a treat when a band puts out an overly pop song mm -hmm. i always feel like you know what i mean because like it, first off as a songwriter and stuff i realized that it's not easy to write a super catchy song like it's it's very difficult and anyone who says oh it's, you know it's not it's it's one of the hardest things you can do yeah so when you get when you get a record where you know they pump out one of those deliberately cleaned up like kind of just well thought like meets all the checks all the boxes kind of songs um i always love it i think that it's you know it's because it's it's hard to do that. You know, it's easy to yeah. do a bunch of filler. It's easy to do, you know, 20 minutes of jamming. It's easy to do all those things. But when you get a song, maybe not Beverly Hills, like I'm not going to die on the sword of Beverly Hills, but, <laughs> yeah. but like, the greatest song, song ever written. 
<laughs> when you get a song that's well put together and uh, makes sense and lyrically makes sense and most importantly makes you feel something but as is also catchy right like that's that's the that's what everyone yeah. wants and anybody yeah. who's writing songs that tells you that that's not what they want and they're not doing it right they're not right. it's the wrong approach but so, we're, yeah. we're melody guys dave we've always been melody guys it's always about the melody um yeah. that is that is the key to every great song absolutely, absolutely. most of them <laughs> All right, so that uh, that is it for our opening act uh, topics for this week's episode. Let's get into today's headliner, which is Pete Davidson is going to be playing Joey Ramone in a new biopic film. Uh, Pete Davidson, obviously, of uh, Saturday Night Live fame, the King of Staten Island fame, very popular comedian, uh, going to start a new biopic based on the life of Joey Ramone. It's uh, based on a memoir called I Slept with Joey Ramone, which was written by his brother, Mickey Lee. Um, personally, I think that Pete Davidson is a good choice for the role because I think that Pete Davidson is a funny guy and I guess he's a, he's a tall, lanky guy. So it makes sure. sense that he might be able to play, you know, you toss a, a really, you know, big curly wig on him, uh, and he can play, um, he can play Joey Ramone, but personally, I'm not going to end up watching the movie because I, I don't like biopic movies about about bands and about artists. I, I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody or Rocket Man, which are two of the most recent ones. Um, I've, I've watched a fair bit of them in my time. The thing about these kind of biopic films is that they tend to really uh, make cliches out of everything when it comes to, to rock music or just music in general, from the groupies to how the band meets, to how they get famous, to how they write songs. You know, I know this movie is going to have a scene in it where Joey Ramone is just sitting in the studio. He's like, what are we going to call this song? Like, and then somebody call it, comes in and be like, oh man, is like anybody got a Tylenol? I want to be sedated. And Joey Ramone's going to be like, that's, that's it, man. That's the song. <laughs> You know, yeah, man, yeah. and you know yeah. he's going to be in the studio, and it's just going to, you know, the scene with him and his, his headphones, and it's just always very cliche. So when it comes to musicians and artists, I'm a big movie fan, but I prefer to watch a documentary about an artist. I would prefer to watch a Joey Ramone or Ramones documentary than watch this. As much as I think Pete Davidson is a funny guy and a good actor, and I think he'll be able to pull off the the job, I don't think it's uh, going to be very good and then what about the music because most of these biopics that come out about bands uh never have access to the music they're always denied from from the you know the artist's estate to be able to use any of their songs in the movie so then you end up with some generic new york punk rock so i don't know where do you where do you stand on this dave i'm uh you know i'm i like i like them to an extent I like if it, if they're done well and it's I, I did like Rocket Man because um, it, it was what it was what I expected from an Elton John yeah like biopic you know like mm-hmm. it was theatrical and like and I expected that going in so I kind of enjoyed that now the Queen movie I I was a little bit disappointed in because you know I had some pretty high hopes to see some of the liveliness of their scene back in the day which it's well documented the parties that used to happen with uh, small people with little little trays of cocaine on their head running around the party and 
things like that. You know what I mean? Like just the chaos that was that world and right. the sex, yeah. drug, and debauchery. Yeah. And to, for Queen to downplay that because they all have wives and children now is the lamest thing for me ever. <laughs> so like even though it was visually stimulating and the songs did sound great in the movie, uh, like I just couldn't get over the fact that they would just gloss over you know the, the all the fun stuff strippers and the, yeah all the stuff that everybody's like but then it would story. but it end up being like rated nc-17 or something you know, sure. but <laughs> you like know unwatchable said, for for anybody under the age of 30 yeah. yeah but like the dirt was fantastic i haven't seen that one oh the dirt's fantastic i, yeah. I was all over the dirt but the isn't that one kind of cliche too isn't that one like with a lot of motley crew yeah, just they cre- but they created the cliche of the of the spandex and the hair. You know what True. I mean? So it's like you're you're watching it from from the from the side stage. It all go awry. So and I'm, I, it's really good. I I really like the dirt um, better more than all the other ones that have come out recently. I feel like okay. they were the most honest. They were the you know. But overall, let's be honest, they're really fucking cheesy. <laughs> and and like you said not getting the licensing for the music is fucking painful uh you're never you know even trying like the guy that did freddie mercury did a great job being freddie mercury and singing those songs but well they gave, but they gave him like they gave him like fake teeth so sure, you have more of that buck look, like freddie mercury like that doesn't yeah. to me that's not acting <laughs> yeah and for pete davidson like that's for pete davidson to play joe yeah like He's a tall, lanky guy. He can talk like he's from Staten Island. Yeah, they're both from New York, right? Yeah. Yeah, like they got that. They got. He's definitely going to be able to play uh, Joey Ramone. Whether or not he should play Joey Ramone is more of the. You know what I mean? Like, it's tough. Like the Ramones' legacy definitely should be, uh, you know, re- uh, presented and shown and and made pumped up and all that shit. But right. is it is it good? Is it going to be good? Yeah. Probably not. Is Pete Davidson the right guy for it? I can't see why not. Yeah. Like, who would be better? Like, fucking Howard Stern 25 years ago? Like, yeah, that's like, true. Howard would be good. Yeah. Like, who's better? Like, I, if you can name somebody better, then. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I think it's for, for every band, every band, especially at the level of the stature of the Ramones or anything, any band of their ilk, deserves their own epic documentary you know the beatles had the beatles anthology which again is a little bit sterilized for for mass audiences it cuts out a lot of the uh, a lot of the debaucherous things that even the beatles got up to um in the 60s but you know they had this epic eight-part documentary that covered the beginning to the end of their career and everything in between and i feel like every band including the ramones or every big band deserves to have you know, the Lord of the Rings of their career made in documentary form, not in a fictionalized form, just because personally, I know I'd be really interested in it. If somebody was like, let's really dig into the history of the Ramones and the making of their records and the changing of the members and all the different things that went on in documentary form, six parts on Netflix, I'd be totally down for that. Um, But this doesn't really strike me as anything other than yet, like you're saying, it's going to be cheesy. Yeah, it's it's probably going to be a little cheese now. Hopefully, it's not. Hopefully, it's made by some, you know, creative, edgy people. Like it's got to be edgy. That's the other right. hard thing. Maybe, well, you know, maybe because it is Pete Davidson, so you know, he is uh yeah. he is an edgy comedian, and he's known to push a few buttons here and there. So maybe he's also 
he's also really good friends with Machine Gun Kelly, who was in the dirt. Right. So maybe there's some sort of connection. Maybe it's the same company that did the dirt is doing the Ramones and we'll end up with like a really grimy Manhattan <laughs> CBGB's movie, you know, yeah. which would be like surprises. Maybe it's not all around Joey. Maybe it's around the scene and it's, yeah. you know, who knows? Who knows? I'm excited though. I'm excited yeah. to check it out, but I don't, I, I'm not keeping that. Keeping my, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for sure, bro. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right, well, that is our, our headliner topic of the week. Let us know what you thought of this week's topics in the comments below or wherever you're listening or watching this video to let us know uh, what you thought to, of this week's topics. So we're going to wrap things up with our tracks of the week. These are our recommendations for rock tracks that we've been listening to over the last little bit. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we've created a new Spotify playlist. Um, just search up Rock Squad and you can see our tracks of the week and all the songs that we've been uh, recommending. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you go first this week, Dave? What's your recommendation? I, got to, I have two this week, actually. The uh, first one, I think everyone should go check out because uh, Jim Simon did pass away. Um, we mentioned it earlier in the show. Life is a Lemon and I Want My Money Back by Meatloaf is a great rock Loaf. track. You should check it out. And Loaf. sticking with the theme of Weezer and how they write cool songs still. Uh, their new single, I Want Some of That, off of Van Weezer. Uh, check it out. Those are my two picks. Music from The Loaf. What about you? What do you got? <laughs> uh, my, my pick this week is a classic. Nothing new. I'm going all the way back to the metal album from Pink Floyd. I've been going down a little bit of a Pink Floyd hole nice, on YouTube nice. lately, watching a lot of concerts, watching a lot of uh, stuff that I haven't watched in a, in a while. Back in the day, my younger days, when I was in college, my buddies and I would sit um, and, um, you know, maybe maybe imbibe in a, in a, an herbal remedy or two and put on Pink Floyd's live at Pompeii, which okay. is an amazing okay. performance. <laughs> and we would watch the, the performance of echoes by Pink Floyd, yeah. um, okay. which is from metal. The performance on live at Pompeii is incredible. All 25 minutes of echoes is incredible. Dave Gilmore and Richard Wright's harmony vocals. There's a jam on it. That sounds heavy, like nine inch nails. It's like proto nine inch nails. Cool. Um, so yeah, Pink Floyd, amazing. I've been off of Pink Floyd for a while, but I've been getting back into them. So Echoes is one of my tracks of the week. And the other one is Boilermaker by Royal Blood, which is cool. the fourth single from uh, Typhoons, which comes out next Friday, April the 30th. Um, this one was produced by Josh Hom, or oh, Josh cool. Homme of, uh, of Queens of the Stone Age. And it definitely has, it has a little bit of that Queens vibe for sure. That's cool. Yeah. He's worked, he, he ends up working with all the bands we like. It's pretty yeah. much like, as soon as we like a band, it's like, did you hear that he was writing with them? Yeah, he, he plays on uh, Bubbles by Biffy. Yeah, yeah Bubbles, he plays yeah. on that, uh, them Crooked Vultures. We were mentioning that before. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's all over the place. He's awesome. Yeah, he's the man. So yeah, check out uh, Boilermaker by, uh, by Royal Blood. And those are our tracks of the week. Check out the, uh, the Spotify playlist right now on uh, on spotify so that is the that is it for the rock squad podcast for this week we want to thank everybody for watching um yeah once again uh subscribe to the channel here on youtube we do have an audio version of the podcast available wherever you get your podcasts whether that be spotify google apple whatever anchor um you can check that out uh all the links are, are here on youtube or in the wherever you're getting your your podcasts uh twitter and instagram at rock squad pod and where can the folks uh, follow you, Dave? 
you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Red Coast Records. Uh, be, sh be sure to go down here and like the video and subscribe to the channel, hit the bell yeah. so that you're notified every time we put out new content. <laughs> it was a great show, Nick. It was, yes. You can follow me at The Walking Nick. You can follow our band. We are called Fools Union. Uh, we're online everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, uh, Bandcamp, wherever you get your music, uh, foolsunion.com. We're working on some new stuff right now that we're very excited about. And uh, and yeah, that was a good uh, a good episode, Dave. So like, what is that? Pulling out your things. I got my hat. It started to snow in Canada again. So we're ridiculous. I got my hat on just in case, you know. I know. I was like crazy when I woke up this morning. I'm like, what month is it? What is what is happening in this crazy world anymore? Oh, it's horrible. Horrible. All horrible. right. That is it for the Rock Squad podcast this week. Rock on, Dave. Rock on, Nick. See you guys. Thank <laughs> you.